So we can say, well, we look at the shadow, we know there's a real person that cast that shadow. It doesn't come there by itself. And so it's an image. It may not be perfectly distinct, but it's an image of something else. So there's a real person, and there's a shadow. Alright, and so in the Old Testament there are shadows. Can we close that door down there, That's somebody else's So we're talking about shadows. And we said in the Old Testament. The Bible itself uses the term, there are shadows. So if you're reading something and you say, well, that's a shadow, then what do you know? That there's something casting the shadow, right? That's a shadow. So the shadow proves... something about the real person and it proves to us that there is a person otherwise there wouldn't be a shadow so the Bible says about itself in the Old Testament there are shadows shadows so what's the point of a shadow somebody cast a shadow and so in the Old Testament it says I'll show you this shadow so you know what that there's a real thing, right? There's a real thing that casts a shadow. Otherwise, a shadow wouldn't exist. Right? What's a picture then? No pictures on the wall around here. Well, there is pictures right here, right? These are sort of pictures. What are they pictures of? Flowers, right? It's not a flower, is it? It's a picture of a flower. And so a picture represents something that's real, right? So if you look at a picture of me, is it me? No. No, it's a picture of me. Can you tell what I look like by looking at the picture? Yeah. And so in the Old Testament, there are pictures. Not the real thing, but a picture of it. Now, a type is a little bit harder idea, but if you're a certain type of person, right, you're a certain type of person, then we know something about you, right? We know about you. So, what type of person are you? 
How do we know about Gideon? He's a quiet person. He's maybe like grandpa, see, he doesn't talk a lot. That's good. That's a, in my family, if you don't talk much, that's a badge of honor. Right. So that's a type of person. And what type of person? He's a quiet person, so we know something about him. All these things, pictures, which represent something real, shadow, which says we've got someone real casting the shadow, and types, which say this is what a person is like, are in the Old Testament. Now, they are pictures of, shadows of, types of Jesus. So you got in the Old Testament a bunch of ways of knowing about Jesus. You may be looking at a shadow, and the person that throws this shadow is Jesus. Can you think of anything that would be a shadow of what was real in the New Testament? Jesus is the real thing. What did he do? How did he die? Alright. When he died, what happened? We sing, there is a fountain filled with blood. What did he die? How did, what happened when he died? He bled, right? They nailed him to a cross and whipped him and beat him up, and he bled. And when he was finished bleeding, he died, and they shoved a spear in his side, and they got every last drop of blood out of him. There wasn't any blood left in him. So he bled and died. So what do you think is a shadow of that in the Old Testament? Anything you know that bled and died? Yeah, there's a lamb or anything that was a sacrifice. Sheep, goat, bull, pigeons, whatever it was, these things died and they took their blood, right? And they spread the blood on the altar. What do you think it is? Sounds like a shadow, right? So you look at that lamb and you say, well, somebody somewhere is going to bleed and die on an altar. What's the altar? It's the cross. Okay, so there's a picture of something. So what about Goliath? You know who he was, right? Who killed him? David. What were the odds? Goliath is taller than this ceiling. The ceiling is not big enough. He'd be bent over if he was in here. See, that's a big guy right there. Goliath made him look small. Goliath is huge. And David is like this. He's not a big guy. So he goes after him, kills him. Dead. So here's a very big, powerful force killed by... A small fella. That's a picture of 
Who? Jesus. Why? What did Jesus kill that was very powerful? You know? What? Well, that's a picture too. All right, the death. Death. Death is the most powerful force in the world. Everybody gets it. Nobody gets away from it. Everyone of you is going to die, including me. I'm going to die. We're all going to die. Can't get away from that. It's a very strong, powerful force. We hire doctors and we pay millions and millions of dollars to get away from it. Nobody ever escapes. It's a very powerful force. Jesus destroyed the power of death. All right, that was a big old Goliath. It was a picture of Jesus. You see how that shows? Now, what about a type? Say, what is Jesus like? What type of person is he? What is he like? All right. We're going to do a type today. Sort of a picture. But we'll call it a type today. Even though they're all kind of the same thing. We're going to check out Jesus in the Old Testament and see if we can find something that will tell us a little bit about the type of person that Jesus was. All right, here we go. Genesis 37. <coughs> All right. And this young lady here, I want you to look up Luke chapter 2. All right. Genesis 37. You get there. John chapter 11. You get there. Genesis 41. John chapter 19. Genesis 41, Genesis 42, Genesis 44, and Genesis 45. What we're going to do is trace a person. A person's name is Joseph. And we're going to find out what type of person he is and see if it shows us any similarity to the type of person Jesus was. Okay, start reading at verse 3, Genesis 37, and read until I say stop. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here, I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we are binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep, sheep arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheep stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheep. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it 
his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. Okay. So Joseph is a young boy, and he starts having dreams, right? He's got these dreams, and they're doing obeisance, and that all that means is they bow down. So he dreams that all of his brothers are around him, and all of his brothers are bowing down to him, and what do they say? They'll be the day. He has another dream that the stars all bow down to him, and his father says, that'll be the day. Nobody's going to bow down to you. So very early, he starts with a call. He's called at a young age through his dreams. Okay, now read Luke chapter 2, verse 46. Start there. Okay, right there. So, Jesus is 12 years old, right? This is Jesus over here. He's 12 years old, and what does he say? I got a calling. I'm called. I got to do what? You got to do God's business. And so, both of these, Joseph has the dreams and Jesus at 12 years old is in the temple and they're both very young when they first get the call that God wants them for some reason. Now, 37, Genesis, start at verse 18. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered out him out of their hands, and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into the pit that that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him him to his father again. Okay, so what are they going to do to him? They're going to kill him. Kill him. We'll fix him. I was just a dreamer who says we're going to bow down. Let's kill him. And what did they do? Do you know what they did? They Didn't they like, take his coat and put goat's foot on it? They sold him 
as a slave. Some Ishmaelites, or Arabs, we would say today, came along, and they said, you want to buy a slave? We got one in the pit down there, and they sold their brother as a slave. They, got, they treated him pretty poorly, right? First they threw him in the pit, left him in there, they treated him pretty bad. And who else ever got treated bad? John 11, 47. Okay, so they want to kill Jesus, right? They want to kill Jesus, and they're making plans. He raised Lazarus from the dead, and they said, everybody's going to start believing him. we got to kill him. So they make a plan to kill him, right? What do they want to do to Joseph? Kill him. What do they want to do to Jesus? Kill him. They get rid of him. They want him to be gone. They want him to die. All right, now, Joseph... Goes to Egypt, works as a slave, does pretty well. And his master's wife tells a lie. He ends up in prison. So he's in prison for a number of years. He's just in prison. All right. And then all of a sudden something happens. Chapter 41 of Genesis, begin at verse 12. Okay, now, in one day he comes out of prison. Now read verse 39 of chapter 41. I give somebody else 41? Okay, read verse 39, start there. Okay, so one day he's in prison, right? Where is he the next day? He's the prime minister of Egypt. Only the king is bigger than him. He's the prime minister of Egypt. So he goes from prison in one day to be prime minister. That's a pretty good up in pay, right? (laughs) 
you're in prison, you've been there for a long time, you're no hope of getting out. Then the next day the king says, by the way, you're the prime minister of Egypt now. Whoa, that's quite a job opportunity, isn't it? John chapter 19, start at verse 40. Scepter, yeah. Wherein was never a Okay, so what did they do to Jesus? Buried him, he's dead. Buried him in a grave. It's over, he's dead, he's buried in the grave. Luke 24, did I give somebody that? Maybe not. All right, listen. What happens? Certain women came and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. They entered and found not the body of Jesus. Came to pass as they were much perplexed. Two men stood by them. They were afraid. And they said, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. So in one day, Jesus went from his grave to... He's risen. He's alive. In one big day, he goes from dead to alive. He's in charge. Right. And so see how they're both way down as far as they can get. He's in prison, goes to prime minister. He's dead. And now he's alive. All right. And so there's similarities between Joseph and Jesus and what happens. Now, here we go, Genesis 42. Let's start at verse 5. Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but he made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. Alright. It's a great story. They come and buy food because they're starving up in Canaan. And buy food in Egypt. They heard there's food in Egypt, so they meet this guy who sells food. And he's got fancy clothes on. He's got an unusual haircut like they've never seen. And he's got a high hat on. And he speaks through an interpreter because he's got people that follow him around. He's obviously a big, big, big shot. They don't know it's Joseph. He looks at them, ah, these are my brothers. And I remember I had a dream that they would all bow down to me. And what do you think they're doing? They're all bowing down to him. 
this like he dreamed. And he says, I remembered a dream. All right, now, verse 23. And thou saddest unto thy servants, except your youngest brother come down with you. Ye shall see my face no more. And it came to pass when we came up unto the servant, my father. We told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go then and buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down if our youngest brother be with us. Then will we go down before we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servants, my father, said unto us, Ye know that my wife bear, bear me two sons. And the one went out from me. And I said, Surely he is. He is torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. Okay. So, he catches, he says to his, his brothers, and they don't know who he is, uh, is this all of you? He said, well, there was two more of us. There's a young one stayed home with dead, and then there's one that died. Talking about him. He says, there's one that died. And he says, I want you to go home and get the one that's still home and bring him. That's his brother, Benjamin. He wants to see him. And so they give them their grain, commands them to go home. Now 44, verse 1. And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sack with food as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. And put my cup, the silver, and put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. So Joseph sets them up, give them their food, but take my special wine glass and put it in the youngest one's bag and send them home. So they start off, they don't know that they got this stuff. They run after him. You stole Joseph's cup. We did not. It's in that bag. And they open it up, and there it is. Oh, they're really in tough shape. He calls them back, and he says, Look, you guys, you stole from me. <laughs> You've been really bad, and I've been nice to you. You stole from me. What am I going to do with you? They say, We didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't do it, we didn't do it, we didn't do it. And then they have a little conversation among themselves in Hebrew, because they think nobody can understand them. They don't know Joseph can speak Hebrew. And they say, this happened because we sold Joseph. We've been bad. We're getting punished. Now, verse chapter 45, verse 1. Listen carefully. This is the clue. Chapter 45, verse 1. And Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out for me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brother. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore... Be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. All right. The whole story about Joseph had a purpose. 
is being mistreated, is being sold as a slave, is going down to Egypt, is being in prison, getting out of prison, and now he's the prime minister of Egypt. It all had a purpose. Joseph said, what was his purpose in life? What did he say? He's here to preserve life. And how did he do that? For seven years, they saved all the grain that they grew in Egypt, and they stored it. And he stored it in these big places where he stored grain. And to this day, we don't know how he did it. Because we can't do that without electricity and gas dryers and all that. We can't do what he did. We don't know how he did it. He was a pretty smart fella. But he saved enough grain so for the next seven years, everybody had food. He preserved life all over the known world down there and his own family. He preserved their life. Why did Jesus die and rise again? To preserve your life. So, what kind of a person is Joseph? He gets treated very poorly. He goes through a very hard life. But he comes out on top and he says, I'm here to preserve life. What happened to Jesus? He got treated very poorly. They killed him. He rose from the dead and comes along and says, I'm here to preserve life. All right? So, he's the type, Joseph's type is just like Jesus. He's the same kind of person. He's the type of person that goes through a lot of trouble and hard times only to, what? Preserve life in the end. I want you to tell me now, scholars, I want you to tell me why this type in the Old Testament is important. Why is there pictures in the Old Testament? Why is that lamb in the Old Testament slain and his blood poured on an altar? And why is the picture of David and Goliath, the picture of a killing a great power, taking control of it? And why is this picture of a mistreated badly misunderstood young man who knows early in their life their purpose, going through all its struggles and trials, and then all of a sudden one day come out on top. Why is that important? Why are types important? You're going to talk about types for the next long time. Who can tell me why types are important? It's worth ten bucks.
There are a lot of things in the, in the Bible that are examples of what we're supposed to be like. That's true. All right. But a type is a little bit different. The type is what Jesus is like. Same way a picture or a shadow. So why was it so important to fill the Old Testament with types and pictures and shadows? Keep going. Why would that be necessary? Because Jesus, when he comes to earth, they could get confused real easy and not know who he was, right? Matter of fact, they were confused all the time. Nobody thought he was the real son of God. They wouldn't have killed him if they thought he was. They didn't think he was the Messiah. They didn't recognize him. How were they going to recognize him? They could say, man, I remember the story of Joseph and how he was treated so badly and all of a sudden he's made prime minister and there's Jesus. We killed him, put him in a tomb and all of a sudden he's out of the tomb and he's claiming to have preserved life. We should have known who he was. The same priests that wanted him dead every day take a lamb and slit the throat and catch the blood in a bowl and dump it on the altar. Every day they did it, twice a day. They did it at nine in the morning, they did it at three in the afternoon. And Jesus dies on a cross, what time? Three in the afternoon. Just when they're doing what? And they should have looked in that bowl and said, It's three o'clock. Time for the evening sacrifice. They should have known. And what did God do to help them to know when they were there? What did he do at the temple at 3 o'clock when Jesus died? What? No. What did he do? Yeah. There's a great big curtain, a big thick curtain. It's so thick they said that if you took two teams of oxen hooked down at each end, you couldn't tear it. A big thick curtain and it was over the holy place in the temple. And all of a sudden it ripped from the top to the bottom. And those priests just went, It's 3 o'clock and I'm standing here with a bowl of blood and that curtain just ripped. Must mean the guy we just killed 